afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and on this lovely day, I would like to call in our ancestors to gather around us here. It is on their shoulders that we stand, and it is their dream that we are living. And we're asking them to join us here today that we may be wise and learn from those who have gone before us, that we may relate to them in a good way and heal the damage that has been done, to learn, to grow, to innovate, to change and to bring a true dream to the future. As we dream the descendants, and the descendants are calling out to us, let the ancestors stand round us here today, stand firmly behind us, and help us to do what we have been asked to do, that all the gifts that need to be here will be plentiful and rich and bountiful, that the descendants will have this lovely harvest. So we call out to the ancestors to gather round to those who are here now in this moment and those who will listen in every moment this show is downloaded in the future, we call out to those ancestors to be with us. We call out to the ancient, ancient first ancestor, the earth. We call out to her and give thanks for the wonder of her dreaming that brought life to this planet as we know it. Let us remember today that life is a profound and exquisite miracle. And may each one of us live this day as an expression of that miracle. Take a moment when things go sideways and stop. Remind yourself, you are a miracle. So let this be the day that the ancestors gather around you and you act like a miracle. So we call out to earth to give thanks for this place, for this home, for the wonder of having the sense of belonging connectedness and interconnectedness with all living things we give thanks to the earth and plant our feet firmly into the ground and reach up from our hearts and minds all the way up to the very very heart of the sky all the way up to the highest power of the universe and we begin to call in the energy of the sky to our proceedings here today and by whatever name we call that highest power in the universe let us call it down into our own hearts into our circle here today into our bodies. We bring in the energy of blessing. We bring in the energy of generosity. We bring in the energy of protection that we might open to hear what needs to be heard, that we might open our mouths and speak what needs to be spoken, and that we all might be guided in this way by this beautiful dance of the energy of the earth and sky within us to be an expression of that big love of the earth and sky that moves through us and brings all physical manifestation into form. And finally, in this place, poised between earth and sky with their love of each other within us and the energy of the ancestors circling around, let us call in the energy of the heart and let us reach deep into the heart and awaken that amazing power of the heart to draw up the true passions of our bellies and to draw down the clarity and inspiration and wisdom of the mind and to merge them in the heart so that we might discover in our hearts what it is that we are here to do, that we might remember why we are here, 
and to live this day as an expression of our soul's true purpose. So with the helping spirits called in, our ancestors gathered round, may all that occurs here today be good for all living things. So I give thanks to the spirits and I give thanks to the inspiration of the human spirits in my community who have donated uh, generously that the show can remain on the air. And I give thanks to those listeners who have found their way to the whyshamanismnow.com website and have begun to click on that support button and donate. Every single dollar goes directly to keeping the show on the air. So if this show has moved you at all in any way, even the smallest donations help. So thank you very, very much for your support. And without further ado, I would like to introduce our many guests here today. We are actually interrupting our little... um, here on initiation for some time-sensitive episodes. And today we have our friends from across the pond, as we say here. Do you guys say that over there, across the pond? We do, yeah. Yep. I guess that goes both ways since the pond's got many sides. Anyway, so I would like to welcome Elsa and Howard Malpas, who are here. They are the UK chapter directors of the Society of Shamanic Practitioners, among many other wonderful things that we will talk about. Um, and they are with us. So thank you for joining us here. Hello. Hi, Christina. Give thanks to Nicola. Applaud regularly on this show. It's our favorite periodic about shamanism. comes out of the UK. And Nick, thank you for joining us here today. That's okay. So... Um, those of you who are at your computers listening, you can reach um, Howard and Elsa and look at all of their many trainings at shamanicwarrior.com. And you can reach Nick at sacredhoop.org. And you can find out more information about the conference we will be discussing today at shamanconference.co.uk. So that will orient you all in cyberspace as we continue here today. Um, So just to help people orient themselves with the three of you, um, Elsa and Howard, uh, you have a healing practice, which we've actually described on a previous show, and many teachings. Could you just give us a little, um, the listeners, a little bit of a, Thumbnail sketch, a little nutshell. What Howard and Elsa do in their shamanic life in a teacup? <laughs> right. <laughs> in a teacup, we, um, well, we, we founded the um, Warrior in the Heart Foundation, which is a, a school of shamanic study. Um, and we've been teaching shamanism since 1994. Um, and we, we offer a four-year um, training if people wish to do the whole training um, plus other small workshops um, we're very much involved in working with the fairy realm um, recently um, but our practitioner course is, is always um, well attended and it's really the, the, the heart of our teachings um, and we've in the last few years which I'm sure we're going to get into is um, we're very much involved in supporting the shamanic community in the UK, particularly around running our conference, which is, uh, which is our absolute joy to be doing. Wonderful. And you also work in the medical system there, which 
we should probably have another show about. But that's <laughs> always interesting to listeners here in the U.S. since we have a very hard time creating mm. that interface. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, so, um, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, that's all right. And so, Nick, um, mm-hmm. welcome. And would you like to share uh, with us what you do, um, your sort of shamanic life in a teacup here in addition to helping with the conference and publishing a fabulous periodical every three months? <laughs> Indeed. Okay. Well, I first got into shamanism about 1985 or thereabouts. And... Uh, um, with my my partner, my wife Jan Jan Morganwood, who uh, recently changed her name to Faith Knowles, and she's a shamanic artist. And Faith started the magazine Sacred Hoop back in 1993, and uh, we've been publishing it every quarter ever since. So we're just just up to issue 68 is the current one. We're working on issue 69 now. So that's pretty much a full time job. Um, before that, um, sort of, you know, around shamanism, I used to teach a lot of workshops. I've always been very involved in the sort of craft side of shamanism. So I uh, make drums and I do beadwork and all of that sort of bits and pieces. So I have a great passion for the, for the shamanic ritual object. So can people who are not um, uh, shamanic, Society of Shamanic Practitioners members come to the conference? Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that means everybody needs to listen. All right. So um, Elsa and Howard and Nick. So I took this off the brochure for the conference. And it says that the conference is a gathering for those honoring the shamanic way. It is an opportunity to share sacred space with people who are dedicated to teaching and practicing the ways of the shaman and bringing that ancient spirituality into the present and the future. So this conference sounds like a huge undertaking. So what inspired you to present the first conference? Whatever ah. possessed you. <laughs> <laughs> we often that. <laughs> um, it started, we, the society actually um, came into being in 2004. And I can't remember, we've been trying to rack our brains about how we originally heard about it. But we heard about it um, soon after they started. They started in January and we became a founding member in May 2004. Um, and we have various emails that we can forward uh, between ourselves and, and Bonnie Horrigan, who is the executive director of the society. And in one of those emails, she said, would you both like to be um, UK directors for the UK chapter? And we thought, hmm, yes, why not? So we said, yes. And, um, you know, what, what, does, what does that mean, really? And um, what we were told was, well, encourage people in the UK to join the society. So we looked around us and thought, well, how are people going to know about the society? So the immediate thought was, ah, Nick. And the, <laughs> magazine. And the plot thickens. <laughs> and the, 
second. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. Um, so we asked um, Nick if he would be prepared to write an article about the society, and he was very happy to do so, and suggested that maybe it might be better done as an interview. He would interview Bonnie and get the details of what the, what the society is about. Um, and that's how what happened. So the article was published, I think, in 2000, early 2005. And our contact details were at the end of the interview. And we found we were getting emails and phone calls from people saying how wonderful, how wonderful that we've got something like this in the UK. And they were also expressing the fact that they felt isolated, um, practicing shamanism on their own, which actually is all about working with community, but they were isolated. And then people were saying, well, the Americans have a conference every year. Um, they had one in 2005. They've got another one they're going to have in 2006. We're paying exactly the same dues. Can't we have a conference? So we thought, well, that's a very fair question. So we went back to Bonnie and said, can we have a conference in the UK? And she said, mm, no, um, because we can't lose any money. Um, so It's a charity, yeah, of course. It's a charity, yeah. And um, the funds were, uh, have always been very tight. Um, so she said, but leave it with me, and when we have our next board meeting in December, um, I will just pass it by the board and see what the board says. Well, what the board agreed to was um, a day and an evening. Um, so we thought, well, that's pretty good going to begin with, and they offered it free of charge. So they funded us to have um, a day, a Saturday, and a Friday evening, Tom Cowan came over to the UK, and Alan Davis, who is the president, and we hired the um, town hall in Glastonbury. And we, we sat there just before um, it started on the Friday evening, we had all these people that were interested and we got them booked in. But it was 10 minutes to go before it actually started on the Friday evening and no one turned up. And we thought, oh my God, have we got this all wrong? We brought these people over and nothing's going to happen. And then suddenly people poured in. And over those, that evening and day, we had over 100 people come. Wow. And yeah, it was lovely. We had about three small workshops, um, and Tom did something beautiful, and Alan did some beautiful, led some beautiful drumming, and it was just wonderful to get together. And at the end of it, everyone was saying, "We want more. We want more." And can we have a residential um, proper conference? So we went back to um, Bonnie and told her what had happened. And Tom and Alan went back to America and 
um, told their story about what had happened and how enthusiastic everyone was in the UK about shamanism. And so, again, had to go before the board um, to see if we could have a conference. So we were told, yes, you can have a conference, but you must not lose any money. Well, we thought, okay, we definitely won't lose money. And actually, Howard and I had made a pact together. If there was money that was going to be lost, we'd make it right. Um, so that took a bit of pressure off us because we thought, okay, if it doesn't run, we'll just pay whatever and then, you know, the society won't be losing money. We did it at a spirit centre, Nigerstonbury, um, and the centre could only hold 70 people. And we needed 70 people to be able to um, not lose money. And we had 69 people. And on the very day that the uh, conference started, the first day of the conference, the last person arrived. So we had 70 people. So we actually got to the stage where we didn't lose any money. Um, it was beautiful and it was a wonderful time. Everybody loved it and wanted more. Every year they said, we want it every year. And, um, Nick was there with us and, and Nick led our opening ceremony and it was just a very beautiful time together and from then on we've been getting one together every year with, I have to say, a huge amount of support from Nick and Faith. So Nick, so you've been there from the beginning. So Nick, what um, what what's your favorite moment from one of those first conferences? Oh goodness! Um, well, I wasn't at the the, the Glastonbury day long one. I've just been at the residential ones. But favorite moment? Oh, actually, I think perhaps possibly the one that happened last year. Um, Tom Cowan did a, a, an ancestral ceremony around a fire, um, uh, a sort of releasing into into grace of uh, of ancestors that we were carrying for people. And that was that was very moving, a very beautiful ceremony. But there's just too many. I mean, it's it's just the most amazing, madcap, crazy time uh, for the whole duration of the conference. Our feet hardly touch the floor. It's so busy, and and there's just moment after moment. So, for everyone listening, understand that you are welcome to come to this conference. Well, one, regardless of where you live, if you can get there, you're welcome to come. But you can be a very new person to shamanism. You can be a very experienced person with shamanism. Anything in between. Um, you can be someone who, um, you know, is just just beginning to sort of dip your toe into the pool. And the beauty of a conference, as Nick has just shared with us, is there's just sort of moment after moment after moment of all these different things going on, all these different wonderful experiences happening. And so it's an opportunity. It's almost as if you just arrived here and really don't know what food the world has to offer. And you get to go to a banquet. And, and sample mm. things and, and think, wow, I really like this. I'm going to have a whole plate of this. 
and I'm not so sure about this, so I think I'll go take a nap. And then, wow, this dancing piece, you know, this is really fun. So it's a, it's a great opportunity. It's also a great opportunity for people that have been practicing alone for a long time to rejuvenate and re-inspire and to um, get new ideas and a new way of thinking about things that have become um, perhaps... Well, sort of like these weeds I've been pulling for the last three days. You know, the roots get all bound up and everything looks good on the surface. It's growing, but underneath it's kind of suffocating and stagnated. And so I feel like these conferences are such a great opportunity to let some air in, um, shake things up a little bit, and and find new ways, understand how different people are doing the same things that you're doing. So it's a it's a huge range it's welcoming to a huge range of people and um in in my experience at the conferences although this will be my very first year at the uk my experience at other conferences is that the the joy of being in an entire room full of people that are practicing the kind of things you're practicing so there's nothing you can say that will freak anybody out is such an incredible pleasure to sit down at a table full of new people you've never met and everybody's talking about something that you usually can't find anyone to talk about with. It is so much fun. <laughs> anyway, back to the topic at hand. So this year's conference, which is open to everyone, has a theme, which is called Dancing with the Cycles of Life. So what brought you to this topic? What are you hoping to maybe explore through this theme of the conference. The interesting thing about the theme every year, um, it comes from the spirit of the conference. And it usually arrives very soon after we finish the one we're just about to do. Finish that one and then almost immediately the spirit of the conference comes in with the next theme. Um, and at first, I mean, we didn't quite know what that did mean it was just like that's what we got and this is what we're doing okay so what does it mean and it, it, it what is what is um final, finally come out of it is that many people are looking at different aspects of the cycles of life initiations and all the various things that are the cycles of our lives so it's been quite intriguing this time last year's was about ancestors which was a very common species in a very similar way. This one is, is, is a little bit more diverse. And um, for example, can I just run down a list of the different types of um, shamanic workshops that people can dip into? Um, there's uh, one on Toltec shamanism, divination, Medicine Wheel, Vision Quest, Attuning to Nature, Trance Dance, Making a Spirit Doll Called an Ongon, Dragon Energy, Medicine for the Earth, Seasons, and uh, uh, Early Morning Movement. And we also, at the very beginning of the conference, um, in fact, it's while the registration is going on, before the um, opening ceremony begins, we do always run a workshop to teach people how to journey. In case there are people coming 
that would like to join in um, on a different level to the way they've, they've their understanding of shamanism is. Or maybe they're just new to shamanism. Or maybe they just need to refresh uh, uh, their journeying skills. But we run that at the very beginning. So if people want to, they can join that, which gives them some skills to understand on a deeper level um, everything that's going on during the conference. So um, what that means then for listeners is if you, um, you know, you've heard me talking about journeying now for a year and a half listening to the podcast, but if you want to learn how to journey so that you can access these um, invisible realms that we talk about when we talk about shamanism and connect with your own helping spirits, and as Sandra Ingerman always talks about, establish your own direct revelation, your own direct connection to spirit, this... um, class is being offered before the conference even begins on the um, Wednesday, I think anyway, on the first day, um, so that you have that ability to enter right into this whole shamanic world. So for those of you that are brand new, I mean, maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, wow, I need to go to this. And your brain is saying, why would I need to go with this? I'm an accountant in Italy. Why am I, you know, why do I need to go to this? I, you know, I just um, bake bread in Kansas. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe your soul is hearing this saying, wow, this is a great avenue into this very strange world this crazy woman talks about once a week on this podcast I listen to. And it's all here for you. The, the door in through journeying, and then this wonderful banquet of all of these opportunities um, to experience um, and just find out many, as, as Elsa said in this list, this huge variety of things you can tap into through shamanic skills and shamanic life experiences. Um, I did notice as I was looking at the conference that um, Jonathan Horowitz is um, – guiding things daily. So, so Howard, what's, um, you know, who is Jonathan and what is his offering at the conference? Well, Jonathan is, um, we consider Jonathan is uh, a true elder of, of uh, the history of modern shamanism, of contemporary shamanism. And he's living in, um, um, is it Sweden now? Yeah. He, he's he's Sweden, yeah. flying in from Sweden. Um, Nick is the man to talk to you more about Jonathan because, I mean, I think Nick and him work together all the time. And so let me pass that one on to Nick. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know Jonathan very well. Um, he's a, a good friend of mine. Jonathan is uh, a, a shamanic practitioner that's been doing this stuff for many, 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 many years. He was a colleague of Michael Harner's uh, and a personal friend of Michael Harner. And uh, they kind of worked together. He was a research uh, associate with the uh, Michael Harness uh, teaching organization. And then Jonathan sort of moved across to uh, Denmark, I think it was originally, and uh, started to teach in Europe and has really gone his own way. Um, I, I think he's one of the best shamanic teachers around. He and I taught a workshop on the last conference together. 
and uh, this year he's coming back to do the plenary sessions each morning. And I'm not completely certain what he's going to be doing. I have talked to him about it, and I'll probably be helping him a bit. But uh, I don't know exactly what he's doing. But he's a great guy and very, very knowledgeable indeed. But it's something that we uh, that uh, participants will tap into each day. So it's a sort of a consistent piece that will evolve over the through the conference. It will absolutely. It will. Yeah. Yeah. Very experiential. Okay. So. Um, so a typical day then there's a very very early movement in the morning <laughs> and breakfast, and then. Um, then a gathering of the whole community there and some time with Jonathan and then some morning opportunities and lunch. And then there's a array of afternoon opportunities. And then after dinner, there is the evening. The evening looks um, very interesting. So what types of things um, are happening in the evening? Well, the first evening, Thursday evening, um, after the um, opening ceremony, which will this year um, be opened by John Luke Edwards, who is a master of sacred theatre. So I'm sure we're going to have a very dramatic opening. Um, and then uh, on the rest of the evening will be Annie Spencer. Now, Annie Spencer and Leah Rutherford are two elders who actually were um, very instrumental in um, reawakening shamanism in the UK mm. in, they, yeah, yeah, in the um, late 70s and early 80s. They, they brought a lot of, of their own um, remembering and shared it and it, it's really grown a lot from there. So, you know, we have a lot we need to thank Annie and Leo for, and so they are always with us on the conference as our UK elders. So Annie will be doing what is her speciality uh, for the first evening, uh, which is about initiation and rites of passage. Um, that's her, her real um, speciality, and she... She works a lot. She, for many, many years, she worked with women. Um, about 10 to 15 years, she worked just with women. But now she's working very much with um, teenagers, particularly teenagers that are having a difficult time. Um, so that's her real passion. Um, the evening ceremony on the Friday is a chance dance. Um, Friday evening, uh, uh, Friday evening is usually devoted to dance of some description. In the past, we've had Leo doing chance dance. We had um, Yakov doing uh, a Yakov darling clown doing something in that similar vein the year before. And this year, we've got two women from. Um, Canada, who have been to all our conferences and know us well, and they are they are leading a trance dance on the 
that's on the Friday. On the Saturday evening, we have something very special happening. We have um, a lady called Christiana Hall. Um, she's coming from Finland. And she's going to teach us about Tuvan shamanism. Now, she is what they call a red card, and it's something totally different to red cards in football. Um, she's a red card holder from the Shaman Society of Tuva. And that means, although she's not of Tuvan ancestry, she's recognized as an official shaman by the society. So we're very excited to have her with us this year. She's going to, on the Friday evening, she's going to talk about how the Tuvan shamans um, call in and open, uh, open their ceremonies. And again, we're, we're not totally certain about how she's going to do this, what she's going to do, um, which in itself is very exciting, but she is so looking forward to coming and so looking forward to sharing her knowledge with us. This and conference sounds like an opportunity to also be with people that are very um, seasoned, very experienced in, in their shamanic life, but that they are offering at the conference the things that they are particularly gifted at. It sounds like um, a very special opportunity in that sense to get sort of the, the very most special gift from many, many excellent people. That's a very good way of putting it. I think that's absolutely right. Um, and, th and there are some quite wonderful people sort of at that conference as, as they were on the last one and the one before. I mean, it, we, we seem to pull in people from all over the place and there's some superb shamanic practitioners around the UK that have been doing it for a, a very long time and they hold a huge body of knowledge and a great wisdom. And it's just lovely for them to come together and share and talk formally in workshops and also sort of informally over a cup of coffee as well. So as you all reflect on the last few conferences, I know your, your brains are going forward into this one that's coming up, but if you reflect on the past ones, um, what is the thing about the conference that you love the most? Maybe something that wasn't really in your life before the conferences started happening or just something that you get such a beautiful dose of or amount of at the conference. So what's, uh, what's the thing that you love the most, Elsa? Okay, um, definitely community. It's the whole feel that we are a community and that, as um, we've mentioned before, that we, you know, we can just be free to talk and be with, with everyone there. And we all know what we're talking about. We all know what we mean by everything. And it just feels wonderful just to eat together, wake up in the morning and then be together at breakfast and be together and dance in and out of conversation. And it's just such fun to be part of that community. That's it for me. And Nick, what's, what's the thing you love the most? I'd have to say it was very much the same. Um, it's been a sort of personal dream of mine really for a long time. It's why we started doing the magazine because of, of sort of wanting to have some form of sort of circle 
in the UK and uh, Faith, my wife, and uh, and other people like Leo and Annie were also part of uh, uh, what we called a circle for eldership called the Whitehall Circle many years ago. Um, when we used to meet together and we sort of planned conferences and bits and pieces, but it never kind of happened. And uh, suddenly, really, without me having to try very hard, in fact, without me having to do anything at all, this conference is happening each year and it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so, Howard, what's the thing that you love the most about the conferences? When um, 100 people get together with 100 drums and one, two, three, go, and 100 drums start up. And it, it's about the sense of ancientness. It feels like pre-biblical ancient connection with people and with a circle of people who remember their ancient roots. So there's something there in terms of the ancientness, but also kind of a, a clarion call for the future because I feel um, our conference and, and the spirit of it is is, um, is all about teaching our, our descendants, our children, about who they are. And so for me, when we come together, we feed each other and then we go out into the community strengthened and, and enriched to, to serve the community, which is what a shaman is, a servant of the community. So as you, as you think about the conferences, is there something that you would like to see more fully realized, um, something that is missing that you'd like to come in or some dynamic that could grow stronger or just, or just something that you, you, you see as a possible development of, of the conferences? Is there, is there something like that that you're sort of longing for or hoping to or even even focusing on on trying to have happen in this year. Um, so, Elsa, what about you? Well, it's interesting. We do have a feedback form, and we do read those avidly and try to um, learn from them and bring bring into the next year what people really need. And last year, people talked a lot about not having enough time to just chill out, uh, not having enough time to walk the ground, because Corn's House has over 2,000 acres of beautiful ground, and not having enough time to network. Um, and so this year we've organised a pre-conference day that's very optional, um, absolutely nothing to do with the conference itself, and it just costs an extra day's accommodation. Um, so that people can just have that bit of extra time. Um, because once the conference starts, it's, it's as, <laughs> as Nick said, it's a bit madcap, really. And it is full on. And for us, it feels important that it's full on. It needs to be a full table of feast that you actually just can't eat everything. It's so wonderful and so fulfilling. You can only nibble at certain things, but then come back next year to get a bit more of the feast. Um, so this year we've fulfilled something that um, people wanted from last year. Um, I can't think of anything at the moment that um, my heart is yearning for. 
that isn't fulfilled with the conference at the moment. But so, by the end of the conference, who knows? So, Nick, what about you? Is there something that you're nurturing or wanting to something, some mm. dynamic that you want to see manifest more fully at the conference? Well, I think, yeah, partially for me, a, a total delight. And the thing that I'm most looking forward to at this coming conference is working with Christiana because I've got a, a, a real passion and interest in Central Asian and Siberian shamanism. And I think in shamanism in the UK in general, that's the thing that's missing. We have, because of, of the ponds sort of surrounding both our shores and your shores, we, we have a huge amount of Native American traditions coming over here. But we have very, very little indeed coming in from Siberia and Tuva and Mongolia and places like that. So I think that for me, that's that's the one thing that I'm totally delighted about in the coming conference. And it's something that I would like to see happening at other conferences, because after all, that is the homeland of shamanism way over mm -hmm. there in the east. So uh, to have that happen is, is, is fantastic. And I think generally in, in sort of in the British shamanic scene as well, I would very much like to have that. But, but to have other traditions too, I think for me, you know, there's so many wonderful traditions around the world. It's one of the joys of producing the magazine is that I get to touch in all, on all of these sort of different flavours. And, you know, maybe we can have an Aboriginal elder or maybe we can have some some uh, North African sort of traditions or, you know, it's like just just the world is this wonderful banquet. Let's let's get it all here. That's great. So, Howard, what about you? Is there something that you're you're wanting to manifest more fully at the conferences as they go forward? Well, just listening to Nick, um, basically, he's dreaming. He's putting his intention and desires out there. And in a sense, Nick and Leo, people we've talked about, Annie, and others who've been bringing shamanism in the UK to some kind of um, wholesomeness. Elsa and I also involved, and that's our great honor. I think the spirit of our conference and the spirit of the Society for Shamanic Practitioners will kind of guide us. It's almost like we need to follow that spirit rather than make it up in our heads and so mm -hmm. i could it will grow as a tree grows um you know which way does the tree want to grow next well we'll see let's let's just be joyful when it grows mm -hmm. so that's my but um just the, the act of, of being together is just so important for us um, that that's the, the the bottom line is teaching people deep deep work and then sending them out on their own never felt right at least we have an opportunity for anyone who we've trained or who have been trained in shamanic work to come together and to nurture each other and have fun. That's it. Hmm. So, um, so at this time, there there is still um, room at the conference for people to register if they are feeling so inspired, and. Um, what is it do you think that people forget about? You know, they're nine months away from the conference last year, um, and they're trying to decide whether or not to go again. What is it that you think people so easily forget once they get back in the, the hubbub of everyday life? I think it's the sense of empowerment that the conference brings. I think once we go back into our 
our sort of everyday life, as it were, and we lose touch with perhaps the shamanic circle and having shamanic peers around, I think it's it's very easy for us to go back to sleep. And I think once we kind of refresh ourselves, whether it be on a workshop or a retreat of some sort or very much the conference, I think we remember who we are. And that's the important thing. We wake up again. Any, anybody else? But I just totally agree with, with what Nick is saying there. Yeah. We need waking up and shaking up <laughs> um, every now and again, you know, what, whatever that, whatever it takes to do that. Um, but that's the, and the interesting thing is when um, the, the uh, website that Nick created for us for the conference, I think that goes a long way to actually um, remind people every now and again we will email people on the database that we have for the conference um, to remind them to look at that because something new has gone up on it. Nick created uh, a beautiful video of some of the photographs from last year. And when people connect with that and remember, it reminds them, gosh, I remember that first. And I felt so good afterwards, and God, that's it. Look at that hit. That, I remember that. I remember me dancing there and how touched I was by it and how full my heart was at the end. And I think, you know, those little touches um, of having things constantly different on the website are very helpful to remind people of the inspiration they felt at that time. And so, um, everyone, the, these pictures that Elsa is speaking, referring to is, are at shamanconference.co.uk, and I believe it's right there on the page that opens up. Isn't that correct? It is. Yeah, it is. That's right. I was going to say, it's, it's, it's just a, a YouTube video that I put up, and uh, it's just embedded on the page. And then also, those of you that have... Um, the SSP site, shamansociety.org, already in your in your browser. I believe it's um, you can click through um, from the US SSP site to to this as well. I was sort of looking around, and I think it's very easy to get to. You can download the program for the conference, the program for the um, as Elsa was talking about that optional social day ahead of time, which I think is a great idea. Um, and for those of you that have never been to a conference, it's also an opportunity just to see people, of course, it's a little bit out of context if you weren't there, but just to see the kind of activities. And I always like to see the, um, joy on people's faces and the delight and, um, just the inspiration that comes from being able to spend, uh, day after day. In, in relationship with spirit and with other people who are intending to be in relationship with spirit. Um, one of the things that I find working with people here in the States, and it sounds like it's pretty similar there as well, is that there is a momentum to everyday life that has a way of... Um, just taking taking that inspiration and the the innovation and the great ideas that we have from these conferences and just sort of um, 
frittering it away in the day-to-day momentum of things. And it, it can be really challenging as a lone practitioner to um, mm-hmm. hold that space. And I think the word community gets used a lot, but I think that there is, um, I don't know, a lack of understanding of the depth of what that experience can mean if you've never been in a circle of 100 people with 100 drums and you've never felt how that circle then starts being simply an echo of every circle that's ever formed on earth anywhere of people with their feet on the earth in circle with their drums in their hands. And, and then the longer you drum, the more you feel that extending into the future when you start realizing that the people change but the circle is eternal, that, that, that the practices are eternal, and that, that intel, and that as a lone practitioner, it's very hard to, to tap into that element of it, in my experience. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you all feel, how do you feel about that? I'd like to say um, certain shape. Um, I think if you want to find the spirit of humanity, it's in the land of the shaman. It's like the deep taproot that goes to the very beginning of, the, of time for us as humans. And to carry the energy and vibration that comes from that massive depth on your own is, is probably impossible. I feel most shamanic practitioners and practices were done in community. The shaman was... was, was the community was as needed by the shaman as the shaman was needed by the community, equal, equal. And so it's a, an unnatural thing just to be wandering around on your own trying to, to heal people or to be a servant. We need to at times come together and energize each other. So important. Mm. And there's a, there's a dynamic that my helping spirits um, have helped me to understand because I was sort of thrust into things all by myself for quite a long time. But it's um, recognizing that um, processes that need to happen need to be contained so that they can happen. Otherwise, they just everything's connected and everything just keeps getting dispersed into everything else. And so if a person needs to be cooked to, to, to change into the next manifestation of who they are, when, even if it's a subtle change or it's a huge change that – that that cooking needs to happen and that cooking, it's like the stew needs a pot, you know, that there needs to be a, for the, for the transformation to happen, there needs to be a crucible to hold it in. Mm. And I find that for so many people who don't enter into any kind of community setting, even for their shamanic work, because of course you can journey to your own helping spirits by yourself for your whole life. And that is certainly a valuable practice, but, there, there are things that don't happen until there's the container present to allow it to happen. And that is a missing piece of understanding for contemporary people. Our attitude is pretty much, if I have enough money to pay for it, I should be able to buy it. <laughs> My experience is shamanism doesn't give a shit how much money you have in your pocket. That, you know, <laughs> That's very true. It, it only works if you show up. And if this thing that needs to happen for you needs a circle of 20 people showing up for it to run its course, it isn't going to happen until those 20 people show up. And 
And I'm not saying it matters who they are. I'm saying it matters that they're there and that there are elements of our transformation and healing that are waiting for the circle so that they can happen. And there's no way, no matter how powerful the individual practitioner is, that you can be 20 or 50 people. It's just the nature of the work. It's the healing defines or the wound, I should say, defines the healing that it needs. We don't get to define that for it. And so, for example, I would say there are many transformative moments. I don't, wouldn't necessarily call them initiatory moments, but truly transformative moments where, for me, I was struggling with my power, I would say, I guess now in reflection. And at um, one of these kind of events, I did a you know, two, three-hour ritual with people. And in it, you had an opportunity to allow a, a song to arise out of you in that moment. And when that song arose, you stood up and the drummers came to you and you um, sang that song. You kind of taught it to the drummers on the fly and they drummed it and you all sang it and then you found the dance that went with the song and it was all very spontaneous it was medicine the song was medicine and the dance was medicine and that moved me doing that moved me to a new place in terms of my relationship with my power and it changed me permanently that never unchanged itself it never went back to the hesitant place that it was before and i firmly believe that would have never happened in my solo practice. It would have been bit by bit, you know, step by step by step. But how many years would it have taken for me to manifest what crystallized right there in that moment in a conference very much like yours because that happened to be the crucible I needed in that moment to cook that piece of me that needed to be cooked. And I could have taken three lifetimes to do that. Piece by piece, mm. step by step. And so this is the thing I think that we forget in our daily lives. We get so practical and so um, challenged at times by what appears to be real. <laughs> and I think we sometimes forget that, for example, if I looked at my life right now, there are all of these issues that are about the manifestation of my power. Well, maybe one event, you know, one transformation off in a conference somewhere would allow me to then bring that change back and apply it to all three or four of those challenges I have right now in my life because I'm the common denominator. I'm the thing in the center of everything in my life. So if I change, everything in my life changes if I, if I choose to do that. So... I don't know. I have in, in your feedback, have you gotten feedback from people sharing stories like that from the conference? Conferences, I should say. <laughs> yes, people people do feedback stories like that. Um, and it's very beautiful to hear. Um, but there are many stories that are unspoken. And it would yeah. be really, really nice to be able to... Um, have a space uh, where people can tell their stories. And I, I think for me, um, in the future, that, that would be something I would really like to introduce 
um, into the conference in a, in a different way. Um, and I'm just really, it's flying off the top of my head at the moment. I don't know where I'm going with that. But um, those stories, our stories, um, are so paramount to who we are at this moment. And when we get these um, dramatic changes that happen in our lives, um, if we share them, they can actually help others because sometimes you actually don't realise what the catalyst was. It helps us to find the catalyst and when we found the catalyst, we can move further with the change. Agreed. Yes. So, I am afraid that our time is running low here already. So, we just want to recap here really quickly that the basic point that I, I would like to make is just that these are very challenging times. And the more we each as individuals can seize these times of change to transform ourselves, the more able we are then to serve in the overall transformation. And I truly believe that it is in moving ourselves into these community spaces that we create opportunities for transformation that we simply don't have in our individual lives um, alone as, as solo practitioners. Um, so I want to thank the three of you for creating this opportunity for um, people to come and be transformed, to come to this beautiful place. Like you said, Gon's house has 2,000 anchors of beautiful countryside. What's the weather going to be like? In September. <laughs> Hopefully nice. All right. Um, It'll be fine, whatever. And so um, Nick and Elsa and Howard, thank you for joining me here today. Yes. For people who want to get information, um, what's the best way for them to connect at the shamanconference.co.uk? I think yes. probably it is, yeah. Yeah, and they can and just download things there and mail their registration in. Yeah, I'm uh, in about two days' time. I'm going to put up the whole what we call the procedural document, which is huge. It's about sort of fifty pages long, and it's a real blow-by-blow -blow account of everything that's happening in very fine detail. So that will give people a huge ability to see what's going to be happening there. They can also um, book workshops in advance if they want to. We have yes. we have twenty eight teachers this year, which is a lot of, of, of um, a lot of choices to make, and that's what Nick's talking about with the fifty pages. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. it's the menu. The menu, <laughs> the menu the for the banquet. Oh, menu yeah. for the banquet of the soul. Beautiful. So, <laughs> so Nick, thank you. Thank you. And Elsa and Howard, thank you so much. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And of course, so, you're going to be at that conference yeah. presenting, yeah. so we look forward to seeing you there. Yeah, that'll be fun. Well, Absolutely. thank you for that Yes. Um, so, Elsa and Howard can be reached at shamanicwarrior.com, and Nick can be reached at sacredhoop.org, and the conference right. is at shamanconference.co.uk, and I hope that we will see you all there. We give thanks to Howard and Elsa and Nick and all the helping spirits that provoked you all into your shamanic lives that we might enjoy them with you. <laughs>
And thanks to the ancestors for joining us, gathering around us here today. Thanks for the earth below and the sky above and the big love that is the two of these together, manifesting the reality in which we all live. We remember that we are in this together and call out to the power of the heart each day because it is that energy that unites us all. Thank you, everyone, for joining us here this week.